Welcome to the Wolverine Digest Podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maze and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Brandler. I just want to start by saying go blue. Chris, it's funny, you know, we play that little clip every time of that dude at Big Ten Media Days where he says, I just, you know, before he asked Harbaugh a question, he said that. And I found myself wondering, do people know that we're, like, making fun of that? Or do they think we're, like, in with that guy? I don't know. I I feel like I've evolved. I feel like at first I was making fun of him, and now it's just become a way of life. Yeah. I actually – somehow that, that showed up on my feed again, like, the other day. And I'm like, oh, God, man, that guy. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, we really do have that at the beginning of every one of our podcasts. Every single one of them. I Is wouldn't that- have it any other way. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? All right, well, we're here on a Friday, middle of the day. A little different here, but I wanted to get a couple of guests in. I didn't even know you were going to be able to join us, Chris, so we'll start there. You got Bryler down there looking like Tony Montana getting ready to wrap up the Florida trip. He's down there with the family, but they're flying back tonight. I can't wait for you to get back and see the foot of snow in single-digit temps. <laughs> it blows outside right now. I've been getting a lot of pictures, so I know what we're coming oh, back to. But Man, it's been – uh, it, it, it heated up quite a bit down here towards the end of the week. And I got to be honest, I, you know, we're, we're ready to head back. It's been great, but my body, my internal like thermostat, it's not ready for 90 degree weather. It's not ready yeah. for this humidity. So I hear you. All right. Well, we've got Michael Spath coming up at some point. He, I, I gave him the two thirty timeline, but he said he would, he might pop in if he's got a, a free window earlier than that, but I'm super excited to welcome our first guest, Chris Castellani, a guy I have followed from afar for a long time. If you're in the Michigan market, if you're in the Detroit sports, if you consume content, you know this guy. Chris, thanks so much for joining me today, man. It's nice to finally like talk, talk to you. We've shot some messages here and there, but great, man. I Well, I appreciate you having me on. I was telling somebody the other day like this, and I'm happy to do this, and I appreciate you guys letting me on. This is my last stand for this saga. After this, I could probably I could probably go the next six months of my life without hearing the words Jim or Harbaugh, and I would probably be okay. Like this is I'm happy to do it, love doing it, happy talking about it. But like after this, I am I am I am leaving myself of all like of all Harbaugh drama uh, after this. But I appreciate you having me. I believe a lot, a lot of people are in that same boat. Same boat. They have to be. It's, it's been. It's so weird because what I do in general is like very light. Like I blog and I make videos. And yet like this entire week, I was like that meme of Jimmy Butler after game five of the finals where he's like hunched over, you know, like the scores table. Like I was just like, yeah. I, I spent six hours on two different Twitter spaces talking about one football coach. So it's definitely, it's definitely been an eventful week for sure. Well, I'm going to sprinkle a couple of other things and it's not going to be all Harbaugh, but that, okay, is, right, that is kind of the, I mean, this whole thing i'm with you man chris and i talked about it a lot like you couldn't not talk about it but we both got pretty sick of it i mean we got pretty sick of it pretty fast we wanted some closure we've got some closure but now the way it happened was so bizarre and so weird and strange and now he's he's back he's gonna remain michigan's head coach Mm -hmm. i guess i'll start right there with it with that how how weird was this as a as a just a, a, a big time Michigan fan, a sports fan across all platforms, the way that this whole thing played out and came together. And now, now he's back. He's Michigan's coach. In terms of weirdness, I'll quote Usher and say on a one to 10, it's a certified 20. Like this was about <laughs> as bizarre 
a circumstance as we've we've seen in a while. Look, I mean, it's very emotions run high. And, and what what's interesting to me when it comes to Jim Harbaugh is, and when it comes to people's criticism of Jim Harbaugh. If for the record, by the way, I I'm glad. I'm good. I hope he succeeds. Like, I, of course, like. I love Michigan and last year was amazing. And I hope they build off of what they did last year. What's interesting to me is that like, you know, for people who might not know what I do, like I, my bread and butter is like tigers stuff, right? Like I love the tigers. I make videos after every tigers game. When I criticize Al Avila or Chris Illich, or I'll throw out a player like a Casey Mize, right? Uh, if he doesn't pitch well, nobody bats an eyelash and accuses me of not being a tigers fan. If I criticize Juwan Howard in the basketball program, which I've done this year, you know, I've been, I've been relatively underwhelmed with how they performed. Nobody says, oh, you just hate Michigan basketball. But when you criticize Jim Harbaugh, it becomes this personal thing. It becomes this, you're not a fan of him, you don't like him, and therefore you don't like the program. That's very bizarre to me that, that like, that's the, the aura um, that surrounds him. And I really, I fall in the middle with a lot of this stuff where, like, Last year was awesome, and like I was, you know, the, the videos I make like speak for themselves. Like I was very <laughs> emotional with the way things went yeah. you know, against Ohio State and being in Indy when they, you know, raised, you know, held the trophy up and won the Big Ten championship. It was an incredible, incredible run. But I do, I, I pointed out this week some stuff that bothered a lot of people, and I get it. Like I, it was snarky. I'm not gonna act like it wasn't. But when people say stuff like, "Oh man, well Harbaugh got his pay cut in half," it's like, well, yeah, for a reason, like. People just forget 2020 and, and like what happened there and how unwatchable and brutal that team was. And you know what? He did an incredible job a season ago. He yep. left his ego at the door. He brought in some really good young assistants. Mike McDonald is going to be a head coach in the NFL one day. Like that guy, that guy has it. Incredible hire. But I do think that like it's just interesting to me the way that people have reacted to this entire saga where now that he's back, I've had people be like, Oh, you must be mad. No, I'm not mad. I hope he wins. I hope he wins every game. But I do think that it's, it's fair to criticize the saga, criticize the way that this whole thing went down and also be adamant in your, you know, your hope that this team wins another big 10 championship and goes back to the playoffs. You know, like this is not, it's not a linear thing where you, you have to be on one side of the aisle or the other. I, I, I go back and forth and I fall in the middle and I try to do the best I can with my blogs and my videos. And it's, it's been a bizarre process, but um, in long, you know, long story short here, um, I'm just looking forward to them winning more games because that solves everything. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. And you're not, you wouldn't hurt my feelings one bit. If you said, Brandon, I've never watched one episode of this. I've never listened to your podcast because literally, dude, you sound like you've listened and watched every single one. Cause that <laughs> all the exact same things we say all the time. I get called a hater because I criticized Jim Harbaugh's first six years, right. which were full of criti full of critical points, in my opinion. Right. Again, last year was incredible. Me and Chris had the time of our lives covering that team. Awesome. Going, to awesome. games, going down to Florida. It was it was amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, there are pictures of me my entire life as a kid adorned in maize and blue. My mm -hmm. son is two and has multiple head-to-toe outfits of Michigan stuff. And yet, when I criticize the fact that he didn't do a lot of things through the first six years that he managed to do last year. It's, it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's right. this, this hater, this, I don't Why? I want to ask you, I, I don't know if you know, I don't know, but why, why is that? Why do you get that reaction? Why does anybody get that reaction when you take a completely warranted, you know, critical approach at looking at what Jim Harbaugh's done? 
Well, I think what it is is that there's such a personal connection that Jim Harbaugh, the man, has to the University of Michigan that makes things a little bit different. You know, he is a guy who played here. He's, you know, he's a made man. You know, like he's he's a guy who's been associated with this university forever. He is a guy who had a remarkable track record, you know, when he got hired um, at U of M. So those, you know, I think that there are people who come to his defense uh, regarding that stuff that like, and obviously different regimes, but like, Nobody came to Rich Rodriguez's defense, and they shouldn't have. He did a really bad job, but like I think that early on, a lot of the haymakers that were kind of thrown his way were a result of the fact that he didn't have a lot of people in his corner because he didn't have those Michigan connections. Jim Harbaugh does, and, and it's it is it is bizarre that like you for whatever reason you can criticize, uh, you can not be a fan of the art and still like be okay with the artist. It's it's a strange like juxtaposition when it comes to, you know, uh, the job he's done and him as a personality. But the thing that can be said about him and the thing that could have been said about Hoke and Rich Rod and every coach that's ever been at Michigan, the biggest, you know, problem solver is to do what the, and I ended my last blog by saying this, you know, that thing you did last year, do it again. And everyone's going to forget, like, I'm unhappy with this process. I think that I know the recruiting class was set in terms of optics, interviewing for another job that on national signing day is a weird, it's a weird move. Um, now what will solve that is beating Ohio state a few more times. Like urban Meyer flamed out in the NFL, right? Obviously urban Meyer is not inherently a different person. What like compared to what he was at Ohio state, the difference is he gets to Jacksonville and he's not winning. So people don't like people don't get people get upset about it and all these stories come up come out about him being kind of abusive and him being a bad guy and doing some really you know nasty things it's not like he changed it's just that people were more uh willing to not turn the other cheek uh because he wasn't winning the way that he was at, at Ohio State and for the record I think that Harbaugh in terms of his track record the way he treats his players and the way that he's treated you know the staff that he's you know is substantially different like I do right. think a lot of the criticism I put it in my recent blog regarding Jim Harbaugh, the man is relatively unwarranted. Like when he got here, there was all like the satellite camps. People made a huge deal about like <laughs> right. pairs. Like, yeah, like, like he's a quirky guy. He likes to throw footballs around with his shirt off. So what? like a big deal. Like, it, it's, it, it's a very strange circumstance with this guy that is incomparable to any other coach. I would say really in all sports that Harbaugh has a microscope held up to him. Um, and a group of defenders and a group of critics that is greater than any other coach in the world. I mean, he really is a brand uh, of his own that will continue to, and it will continue to be that way as long as he remains at Michigan. It's interesting you say that. Like, can you imagine if he did something actually bad? Right, like, I know. Legitimately <laughs> bad. He just does weird shit. Like, it's not bad. It's just, yeah, like you said, he's he's climbing a tree. He's throwing a shirt. He's throwing a ball with his shirt off. He's doing weirdest, weird right. kind of stuff. But it's not bad. And he's yes, he still is. That's an that's an interesting point. He might be the most polarizing figure in all of sports for reasons that really don't even matter. It's, I can't it's, I can't like, think of any other. Maybe there is one that is like has that microscope held up to him. I don't think there is though. Like just thinking about it, like across all sports, I, I mean, like like Belichick is like kind of a weird guy and says, yeah, but no. like I don't think he has the the kind of. He's not as polarizing as as Harbaugh is. It's it's it always it's it's a soap opera, and it was from day one, and it hit like it's you know this the the season finale was this week, and we they left us on a cliffhanger for a few days. So it's yeah. been bizarre for sure. Well, let, let's talk about this week a little bit. Obviously, mm -hmm. he could have signed his extension at any point. Really, going back to like 
I mean, the day he beat Ohio State, everybody at Michigan knew, like, we're keeping him. We're going to yeah. give him more money. Let's do that now. So, really, like, going all the way back to that point, I know John Bacon had his running total, which got yeah. to, like, 30-ish or something like that, but it was really longer than that. Some reports have come out now that he went to Minnesota. He didn't get offered. Of course, again, the these polarizing groups, you've got a Michigan group that's like, no, there's no way. That, that's our Jimmy. He told him no. Yeah. He flew out there, interviewed, and told him no and came back, and it's Michigan, and – I, come on, man. That just—that's right. not how it happened. And if you look outside of the Michigan, the Michigan faction, right? The opinions are very different. So mm -hmm. I'm going to assume that what happened was he went out there. Things just didn't work out, and he didn't didn't get the offer. I'm not going to say that he went out there and bombed the interview, or he freaked everyone out, or he acted like a loon. I don't think that's it at all. It's possible. Mm -hmm. I'm just <laughs> he went out there, and it didn't work out. He didn't get the offer. He's back. So my question, I guess, is. Does that change anything for you as a fan? Is it weird that you see some of these fans like literally acting like they won the lottery that he's back when it was like pretty clear he wanted to dip and just didn't get an opportunity to do so? No, I mean, look, people are entitled to their opinions. I again, I go back to, you know, the what I said earlier, which is everyone will forget about the, the saga if they go on, go to the horseshoe and beat Ohio State next year. Like it's it, that's the landscape, that's the world of college sports. Like it People forgot about the first six years, the second, you know, like the second they beat Ohio State. That that's that's the landscape of sports. People have short term memories. People have selective memories. That's okay, and that's totally fine. Um, regardless of what he does, I will say that this week was a frustrating week and a frustrating look on his part. I believe that again, the last or not, you know, the last week or so or not even the last week, I'm sorry, the last month has kind of been a game of chicken between him and Ward Manuel. Like, he wanted the extension. Maybe he wanted more. I can't I can't speak on that. Yeah. I, I can't, and I, I also can't speak on what he, what happened in the interview. Like, who knows? I've heard a lot of different rumors, but it's hearsay, and, you know, nothing's been, like, confirmed, so I'm not, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to slander anybody. But I think it is fair to say, based on the reporting that I heard from some really reliable sources, I believe he left Schembechler Hall. Oh my God! All the days are running together now. Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday, um, under the belief that he would be offered by the Minnesota Vikings, and he did not get the offer. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, it's a bit bizarre. The one thing I will say, because I know how this works, that like if they lose or drop a game early next year, people are going to say, "Oh, is his heart in it? Is he thinking about the NFL?" Let me tell you something. Jim Harbaugh could be coaching a fourth-grade peewee team, and he's going to coach it like it's the Super Bowl. Like, this yep. is the, the single most competitive human being of all time. His heart will be in anything that it wants to be in. Like, I have no doubts that he's going to go 110% into every single thing uh, that he puts into the Michigan football program from now until he either retires or you know, decides to take another job, which I still, regardless of what he says, I still do not think is out of the question. Like that could, I do yeah. think that could still happen. But um, no, what, what's been the most frustrating part is just the length of this. Like you had a great momentum going. I know they got their doors blown off by Georgia. I take nothing out of that. Like Georgia, like Georgia could have beaten the Lions. Like that team was insanely talented. Like straight, like that team was nuts. Um, You get, you know, you get to the, close to the pinnacle, you get beat by a more talented team. That's fine. But you have a month in which, your defensive coordinator leaves, which I think might have happened anyway because Mike McDonald is he's a stud. Um, you lose at least one other assistant, um, and it's an important recruiting period, and yet you, there was a lot of twiddling of thumbs, and I think that, to me, is the most frustrating part. A lot of people are left in the dark. A lot of really good reporters who reported truth 
um, are unfortunately kind of left with egg on their face, not because they said anything wrong, but because Jim Harbaugh is, is an agent of chaos and he's an impossible guy to report on because he changes his mind and he flips on a dime and he, you know, a lot of weird stuff happens with him. But um, I, I, I think it's, you know, I, I go back to, I've said it a million times, but the word is just bizarre. It's just yeah. it's the way this thing has happened. I think people have done everything they can to kind of report the truth. Um, but sometimes even truth can, can become fiction uh, as it pertains to Jim Harbaugh. And I think that's kind of the case here. Chris, I think you said the same exact thing. It was it was yeah. like frustration in this month where it could have been build, 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 yeah. build momentum. Yeah, and, and I mean that's you know that's where I was at. Just strictly from a fan standpoint, if you look at the energy that was in the program or within the fan base, mm-hmm. you know, thirty plus forty days ago, you know, after Indy or after Ohio State, there was nothing but positivity. And mm-hmm. after the first six years of frustration, finally, when you get to that point where you've been trying to get to. From a fan standpoint, I would have liked to have seen ride that momentum, take those mm-hmm. 30 days right after and pack as much in as you can. And I know that Jim Harbaugh was out recruiting. I know he was working his ass off for Michigan, but the reality was he was also exploring other things. I don't knock him for that. I get it. I feel like this was his last shot. He came off of his best year. There were what, five or six openings and he didn't get a single offer. And so I can't imagine that that's going to happen three years from now or four years from now. So I, I do think this was his last shot. But I do think a lot of the frustration comes from the fact that it feels like a lot of time was squandered to capitalize on a really, really good year. But again, as Chris said, if you win, everybody's going to forget about it. The problem is if you lose, nobody's going to forget about it. Right. And this is going to keep coming up. So, and, and in general, I agree with basically everything you just said. I do think that he, you know, he was out recruiting. Like he didn't stop doing his job, but at the same time, even if you are recruiting that, that cloud is going to hang over you. Like yeah. no matter what, if you're talking to a player, these kids, these kids are smart. They're aware of the fact that even if, you know, you're making a pitch, you're trying to bring a kid in um, that stuff, like they're aware of the fact that this is a coach who might be, might have a different job, you know, a month from now. And the way, the way I look at last year and the success they had, it's very similar to the gentleman I got right there. And that, that season where like, the way I look at last year's Michigan football team is very similar to how I look at that beeline team with Trey Burke. It's, you know, like my favorite sports team ever. But what made that run special was the fact they sustained it. They got back to the Elite Eight and they ended up going to the national championship four years after that and, you know, winning the Big Ten tournament. They almost died and won the Big Ten tournament one year and like, you know, and, and then did it again the next year. I I will view the Jim Harbaugh era completely differently. If five years from now we look, that's the only Big Ten title he's won. I think there will nat- nation nationally, there will be people who look at who will look at that his tenure as a whole and view that season as a fluke. If he doesn't build off of it, um, then he'll be you know he'll be like those those quarterbacks who only you know those great quarterbacks who only won one ring in the NFL. Like you you did a good job for that one moment, but you never kept the momentum going. And I think that this these last several weeks. Um, you know, have, have potentially, I'm not saying it's gonna have potentially, you know, harmed, you know, what, what could be a really solid, you know, uh, head of steam that they have going. Well, perfect segue into the last football question here. Then we'll ask a basketball thing. We'll get you out of here, man. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan's going to start off four. No, they're going to beat Colorado, yeah. State, Hawaii, Yukon by a billion. They're probably going to beat Maryland by a billion. Yeah. And then they got to go to, to Iowa for that fifth game of the season. First road game not until October 1st. They're at home the right. whole month of September, which is great for tune-up and getting things ready to roll. 
How are they going to do next year? In, incredible amount of change on defense. No Mike McDonald. Lost two first, three first-rounders if you look at the latest mock. Most have uh, Daxon Hill going late in the first round. Yeah. David Ojabo, Aiden Hutchinson, tons of changes there. We'll see what happens at quarterback. The schedule is favorable. Like They might Very. be in 11 of 12 games yeah. next year. How do they do next year? And then you said, I thought that was an amazing point. If this is the only Big Ten title he wins over the course of 12 seasons, like that's good, that's going to mean something. So macro, uh, micro next year, macro, however long he decides to stay. What do you see? My prediction is that I think truly next year, if they're in a subject to change, injuries will play a factor potentially. Yeah. And who, you know, teams come out of nowhere sometimes, you know, but if they're not 10 and one going into the horseshoe, like, what are we doing? I mean, like to be, I'm so like, okay. And, and Michigan state, I think Mel Tucker's doing a wonderful job. I don't believe they're going anywhere, but like, you know, they got to, re- they got to replace a, a Goliath in Kenneth Walker. Like that's going to be tough for any program. And, and I think he'll get there and I think he's going to do a wonderful job, but you know, Michigan's playing at home. They're going to be pissed over the, after the last two years. Like, I think the schedule, like you said, is very favorable because I think this defense is going to have a lot of struggles early on. I don't care if you're Alabama. They, if, but if you have two defensive ends who gave you 25 sacks in a season, that's tough to replace. Like straight, including a guy who was the Heisman runner up in Aiden Hutchinson. Micro, I, I, my expectation is not win the Big Ten next year. Um, I would say if you have that 10 and two, you know, next season, if you, you know, lose or, or 11 and one, whatever it is. That's all right. To me, where this thing would potentially not go off the rails, but would become a, a major disappointment again is my fear is that JJ McCarthy leaves the program and we look at him the way that we looked at DPJ or Nico Collins and say, God, this guy was so talented and they didn't utilize him enough. Like I, I maybe it's it's too high of expectations, but like you look at the Michigan passing records at this school for a single season, they kind of suck. Like Chad, well, just, just to further your point, Shea Patterson was here for what two seasons, yeah. and I think he's in the top five in most right. statistical categories. It's up there it's along funny. with guys like you know uh, Greasy and and Brady. So I mean, it's it's wild when you look at it. That's a great point. It's funny because everybody says that Shea Patterson was awful, and yet like you look at a lot of like the big Michigan passing games of all time, or the most productive Michigan passing seasons. He's up there in like at least the top ten, if not top five. Like Chad Henney holds the Michigan record for passing touchdowns in a season. He broke it his freshman year with 25. Dwayne Haskins threw 50. Justin Fields threw 25 by like September 17th, two years ago. Like, like it's really, that's a bad look. So what worries, I think that where people's patience will start to wear thin is if you have what a lot of people, and myself included, I'm really big on JJ. I think he's going to be very good. If those guys leave the program without another Big Ten title, without some records broken, without really opening up the offense, in a way that fits, you know, 2022 uh, football. Because, look, last year was wonderful, and it was great. I am under the belief that if you run it back with the same offensive scheme, I don't know if they can do, again, what they did this year. I mean, they they won the Ohio State game and the Iowa game and so many other games uh, because they imposed their will at the line of scrimmage and ran the ball really well. In general, for the, for the most part, there are exceptions. Teams that win national championships and consistently win conference championships in college football don't do that. Like Burrow at LSU didn't do that. You know, uh, Tua didn't do that. Trevor Lawrence didn't do that. Like, I think that um, 
what worries me is that they look at last year as this template when in reality what they should be doing is building off of that and expanding the offense to a point that kind of pushes you into the 21st century and beyond. I'm going to bring, bring Michael in. He's here. Michael, hopefully the audio is working. I saw you messing with a headset a little bit. I think it's probably all right, though. We got you over there? Yeah, I mean, if you guys can hear me, I, I can hear you fine. I just, you know, I put the headphone on because I was like, ah, oh, you know, Brandon's got his headphone on. But then I looked like a pretty big dork with my headphones on. So <laughs> I might do. I don't know. I mean, I, I might as well. I wanted to bring you on because everything Chris just said, Mike, you and I have talked about a billion times. The the 25 touchdown passing record at Michigan, there were, if, if my memory serves, because I just, I looked this up, but it's been a while. I think there were 45 quarterbacks in the country last year who threw more than 25 touchdowns in the season. And that main, that's still Michigan's record all time. I'm with you, Chris, JJ McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, Andrew Anthony, this, this crop of offense, offensive talent, the other young receivers ha has to do something more than that. They have to get in the record books. They've got to win big. So we'll kind of fade Chris out and bring Mike in here. But Mike, the stuff Chris just said about you know, bringing the offense into 21st century, and if you're not 10 and one going into Columbus next year, and the macro picture of winning another Big Ten title or two, you and I have also talked about this before. Where do you fall on all of that when we start to look at Jim Harbaugh might be a lifer, and what it, you know, if he gets to year 12 and it's still just this one season where he really did all these things that we've expected him to do. You know, what, what does that all look like big picture and in the next year and just all of that moving forward now that he's back? Well, can I just say I'm really glad to see that you're still wearing your like grunge sweatshirt. Dude, okay. Hat. I wore this just for you because I knew you were coming out. Mike, Chris, Chris, both Chris's. Mike used to make fun of me so bad for wearing this shirt on the radio. I would show up to the studio and he just couldn't believe that it even existed. So this I can is, see why. Just, I couldn't believe that he was an adult. Although, you know, <laughs> I mean... Brandon and I go go way back, but I'm I, I'm I'm not jealous of you. I am jealous of of the of your partner Chris, who seems like he's like in the Florida sun right now. He is. He is. <laughs> yeah, I'm staring out here at like this blanket of snow in my backyard. Uh, so so Chris, uh, I'm super jealous of you, and you're living. You look like you're living like the Jim, Jimmy Buffett life right now. Living yeah. the dream, man. Tommy I mean, Bahama. Like, Tommy Bahama. Okay. Okay. Well, to answer your question, Brandon, by the way, 26 quarterbacks in 2021 threw for okay. more than 20. I was, I was more than, I was way, way higher, but still, it's a lot. Well, it, it's a lot. Yeah, I, my, I think what your stat was is that I think 46 threw more than Cade did, which I think. Cade oh, maybe did, that's what it was. I maybe think that, that might have been the stat. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll even say this. And look, last year, and I agree with uh, other Chris here. <laughs> we got um, two Chris's. Yeah. <laughs> Chris and, yeah, whatever. Chris and Christopher. You know, I thought what you said was so prophetic. And what scares me a little bit, Chris, is that Michigan will try to take what they did in 2021, repeat it over and over again, and think that that's the winning formula right. to be successful. And I did a stat. I, I looked this up uh, during the season. I was really intrigued because at one point, Cade McNamara threw like eight touchdown passes, and they were through like 10 games or something like ridiculous. And, and I went and looked it up, and it was like the average – if you took the last 10 Big Ten championship teams – and you threw one Wisconsin team out because they had three starting quarterbacks. They only won because they ended up facing, I think, Nebraska in the in the championship game when it was like the legends and leaders. And, and uh, Ohio State and Penn State had sanctions on them, so they got in like yeah, by default. Like, yeah. Right, absolutely. Yeah. So if you took that one out, so you look at the other nine seasons of Big Ten champions, the starting quarterback had averaged something like 17 touchdowns in this in like the first like six yeah. games of the season. And Cade McNamara was sitting there with like, you know, 
like I said, five or six or something like that at the halfway point. And so Michigan really give them a lot of credit because they figured out a formula that was going to work for them. It worked for them in the biggest game of the year against Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State also had a tragically one of its worst rush defenses yeah. of the last 20 years. And, you know, Ryan Day, you look at like the moves he's made in the offseason. I guarantee you, I guarantee you that next year Michigan can't run for 300 yards uh, against Ohio State, that they're going to have to win a game like like you see consistently across college football today. Like you see, uh, you know, a national look, Georgia also kind of won that way this year in a what what we consider a rarity. Uh, but they also had I mean, where would you rank that defense in the last 20 years of college football in the top five? Yeah. I mean, so it's I think the, the, that's the that's the part that scares me is like they're going to come back and they're going to say, look, I, I love Blake Corum and I love Donovan Edwards. And I think that these guys are superstars. But they got to be using Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum the way that they did towards the end of the season where they're throwing the ball out of the backfield a ton. If they're trying to run these two guys and whoever else emerges as the third running back the same way that they ran Hassan Haskins in this offense in 2021, I just don't think that that gives you long-term success. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to be wrong. I've been wrong before, um, not as much as Brandon, but but I'm certainly, you know, I'm willing to be. But I I just think you got to start playing football like we're in 2022, and that – offense really should be about J.J. McCarthy and Ronnie Bell and Roman Wilson and Andrell Anthony and, you know, Luke Schoonmaker, who really came out as a tight end towards the end of the year. And, who you know, Donovan Edwards as a, as a running back out of the backfield and Blake Corm, like that's what the offense should be in 2022. And, yep. and just, okay. to, just to add to that, like the one thing, uh, despite how insane the saga has been, that like this is going to be in 2022 – the most talent that Michigan has had on offense in, dude, you could say, you know, a decade or two. I mean, the amount of guys returning, you lose Haskin and you lose some pieces off the offensive line, but every meaningful receiver and tight end and quarterback returns. Like, so I'm, I, I, you know, share those sentiments that like, I do think there's a whole lot to build off of here offensively. And yes, the defense is going to take a hit. They're losing a lot of talent, but I'm with you completely that like, there's so much, there's so much talent returning that it does like it excites you the idea that what if they do open this up like what can they you know, have and I, I put this in my blog too like Jim Harbaugh has never had a thousand yard receiver like Michigan football even at their most archaic had thousand yard receivers like all the time with Braylon and David Terrell and Anthony Carter like you got to you really got to expand things and 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 you know stay true to the kind of speed and space principle that Josh Gaddis has been abiding by since he since he arrived in Ann Arbor. All right, Chris. Almost, I, I just I wanted to say because you 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 brought the point up. Do you think that Michigan is more likely to open up the offense because of what we're talking about with the defense? That likely you know there's going to be some growing pains on the defensive side, and if you want to win some football games, you're going to have to have an offense that's putting points on the board. It's possible. I mean, do, I mean, you, I, do, do I, you think that the defense is going to lead to Michigan opening up the offense? I I hope so. I think that there will because I think. It's true that next year they're gonna have to, you know, they're they're gonna have to get into some sprints with some teams. Like I, this is not gonna be a defense that's gonna be, you know, holding teams to 10, 15 points a game. I mean, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to win some, you know, some long, you know, some long like 35, 38 games. I hope that's the case. I I don't know. I mean, I really do that is my fear, is like they look at and Michael just brought it up that they look at last year and they're like, this is the way to do it. If we continue doing this, this is how, you know, th- we're going to continue to win Big Ten titles. It's 
that's kind of what happened to Don Brown, where you had that tremendous defense in 16 with the blitz packages, and he stuck to that for so long and never adjusted. And that era, you know, that tenure with him as the D coordinator completely fell apart. I hope that doesn't happen. And I don't think it will simply because I think that Jim Harbaugh as a competitor um, is too good to allow it to happen long term. But um, it's a legitimate question for sure. Chris, I think you're a smart guy. I, I agree on the service with everything you just said. They're gonna, But you said they're going to have to get into some shootouts with some teams. And I got to say, they're not. Yeah. Just go back and look at their schedule. Go back and look at their 2022 schedule. Who is going to get in a shootout with them in the first seven weeks of the season? Colorado State ain't. Hawaii, UConn, Maryland. Maryland continues to be a, uh, you know, a team that really is a, is a six and six team at peak. Um, you know, going to Iowa. That's not Iowa's game. You know, at Indiana, if the Hoosiers can bounce back a little bit, but now everybody's kind of down on on Indiana. Penn State, the uh, the seventh game of that 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 season. I mean, they lost Dotson. They haven't been able to develop a running game. Yeah, uh, you know, what what will the the quarterback situation look like? They could go the first seven games without ever having to get into a shootout with anybody, and if they do that, then you know you might find them saying like, "Well, the formula from 2021 is working again," and so we're just going to stick with this yeah. formula. And and you know, I know that Brandon and I talked about it all year and come on saying like, at some point they're going to have to throw the football for 350, 400 yards. And the game that they did have to was yeah. Michigan State. They did have to throw it for, especially when you saw the following week, Purdue go out there and throw the ball for 500 yards. Right. And Ohio State beat Michigan State by throwing the ball for 400 yards in the first half. Um, that was the game where they needed to throw the ball and throw the ball and throw the ball. It's great that Cade McNamara had a career high, what was it, 343 yards, but it was a game that they needed to throw the ball for 450. Yeah. And it was the one time where they got burned on it. But you look at their schedule right now, I mean, they could they can win 10 games next year without ever getting into a shootout and just playing the same type of ball control uh, offense they just had in 2021. That's true. The point I was making, to be honest with you, all pertain to Ohio State, where it's like at some, like next year, Ryan Day will never I, – I could be wrong. I don't see Ryan Day like just forgetting to recruit top tier talent at the front seven ever again. Like I don't, I just don't think that they're going to win that game the way that they won it last year. So that was mainly what I was talking about. And yeah, you're right. Cade's, Cade's like signature. I think he might've actually, I think he had like 380 something in that game. Like he was slinging it on um, now Michigan State's secondary and Michigan state was really good last year, but that secondary was Swiss cheese. I mean, they like, he was, just, you know, the guy, guy looked like Patrick Mahomes for like that entire game. Um, but yeah, no, you are right. It's just that, but that's also been the issue with a lot of Harbaugh teams is you have those 10 and ones, you have those like nine and twos going into Ohio state and you can't outscore them. You ran into a situation last year where you could just dominate them on really both lines. I mean, both the offensive and defensive lines. I would be surprised if that continues, if that becomes a trend going forward. Mm -hmm. All right, Chris, I know we're, we're, we're north of 30 minutes now, so you can speak on this last question as long as you would like. Okay. I said we would sprinkle a little bit, little bit of this in here, and you brought it up a, min, uh, a little bit ago. Juwan Howard, Michigan basketball. I'm just going to ask you flat out. You can say as much or as little as you want. Is that a, is that a tournament team? Uh, right now, I would say no. And the reason for it is not because of talent, because I think they have talent. It's not because of coaching, because I think they have good coaching and a good staff. A big reason for it, to be completely honest, is the fact that they're playing, because of the COVID reschedulings, a lot of games in a very short amount of time. And last year's team was stacked, and that team got gassed. I mean, that's why I took nothing out of, like, the whole, you know, Illinois hanging up a paper banner for that. Like, it's like they had to play, like, five games in, like, 13 days. I mean, that was a very, uh, you know, tired team going into the Big Ten tournament. 
Um, and this year's team is not nearly as deep. Um, they, they aren't nearly as good defensively. I would say no right now. What makes me sad is that I think at the end of the year, we're going to look at this team and we're going to say, God, you know what? I think the team's all right. I think they could have made a run. The diff- The fact is, when we're talking about the NCAA tournament, who you are at the end of the year means nothing. What matters is what your resume looks like. And they just put themselves so far behind the eight ball with the UCF loss and the Minnesota loss. And, and Seton Hall is pretty good, but you know, he had an 11-point lead against Seton Hall in the second half and lost. Um, those are the ones that are going to come back to bite them. You know, losing losing to Michigan State at the Breslin sucks, but Michigan State's really good. Those aren't the losses that kill you. What the losses that kill you are the ones that you should have had and didn't, and then they had the COVID problem. So right now I lean towards no, which is frustrating because I really I believe in the players a lot, and I think Juwan is doing an excellent job. Uh, but you know, they've they they're just they're a little bit too far behind at this point, and they got to do a lot of catch up. And um, it starts by this Saturday by going to the ro- on the road against what is, I believe, far and away the most talented team in the Big Ten in Purdue. Like, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to, if you want to make the tournament, win a game, not just at home, but probably on the road against a team with more talent than you have. And um, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. I hope they do, man. I love Michigan basketball, but I'm I'm skeptical at this point because of the way things have gone up to this point in the season. What a hater. I, I know, right? Yeah, not, right? Chris, I was going br- to put it up there. I never, I didn't because you brought it up on your own, but I just want to give everybody a chance to hate out there. This is the tweet I, that you referred to. I mean, look at all that. Look how much he's hating on Jim Harbaugh, everybody. Look, My goodness. I, I love that you put that out there, and that's actually what made me think I'm having him on the pod this week. I grabbed that tweet, and I quoted it. I said, be careful, Chris. Be careful. People don't like facts, man. They don't like them. Yeah, and, and look, I and there was in like there was an element to that that was like relatively tongue in cheek, but there was at the same time like you know, good satire is based in fact. Like there was so many things about that that were true that did happen, and it the I know how this works that if they win the Big Ten next year, people are going to take that tweet and do like the at you know hot takes exposed. But the fact is like those things did happen, but it doesn't mean I'm not rooting for the program or the coach or the players. Like you know it, that that's the difference is I. And I said this after the Ohio State game is like, you know what I love being is wrong sometimes. I love like my brand is skepticism. That's just how I am. Like I just I, I'm like that all the time with all my teams. But like to have a team that proves you wrong, that surprises you, you know, I hope that I hope they do what they did this year a million times. And I hope they get back to the playoff and win a bunch of playoff games. Um, nothing would make me happier. But, you know, I they, people do forget like there was a reason why he got his pay cut in half. And uh, yeah. I, I felt like I had to remind some people. But yeah. There you go. Chris Castellani joining us for 38 more than more than we said he would do. But I I knew we would all get rolling and have a bunch of stuff to say. So I'm Chris, a talker guy. I'm a talker guy. So like 20 minutes means 40 in my book. So you guys are totally, you guys are totally I just, fine. I just got to give a shout out to, to Chris for, you know, he has Trey Burke in it behind him. But the one that I'm really impressed with is the 1984 Detroit Tigers. Of course. Picture, picture there, man, because I don't. I don't know how old Chris is, but I think he's younger than me. And younger I don't know if he's all alive. Of us. Yes. Yeah, I'm 26. Yeah. Okay, so oh, he wasn't wow. alive for the World Series, but right. Um, but that's that's a great picture behind you there. So you know, well, you know, and I appreciate it. The the dream goal is that at some point this background is filled with the next one. You know, yeah. the, the you know the the uh, the AJ Hinch led World Series Detroit Tigers. That's that's the dream. But um, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you yeah. very much. This was a lot of fun and. Um, We'll be in touch, man.
Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Chris. Rose to fame covering the Tigers. on. I was going to say, you've got like two minute video clips on Twitter. How do you do that, man? I feel like I would have so much more to say. And you oh, just I said, do. I, I got it down to a science now because I would ramble. Like I, ha I it's that right. that's been the best thing ever because I I talk too much. And when you have that window, that's actually a good thing. So I've been there you go. I've, I've, I've been able to be successful with that. But thank you guys very much. Have a great weekend. Relax. It's been an exhausting week. So I appreciate Amen, it. Brother. Appreciate you guys. Having Chris Castellani, yep. everybody. Thank you so much for the time. And now Michael Spath, good friend of mine. I think dude, we're on episode this is podcast episode number 102, and I think this is your wow. first appearance. Is that right? Or did you come on one of the early ones, maybe? I can't remember. I might have come on an earlier one. I think I've seen – I think I've been with uh, this Chris before, so. Yeah, because I, I, I distinctly remember um, my nine – what was it? A nine and, uh, nine and three prediction, nine and three regular season prediction. I was accused of wearing the maize-colored glasses by one Michael Spath. Yeah, Turns out no. I, under, I underestimated him. Man. You did. I mean, if we want to revisit preseason predictions, I want a six, and six. So that was at um, seven and five. I'm, just, gonna I'm gonna qualify that because I don't think anybody should listen to a single thing I have to say the rest of the the rest of the episode here. All right. Well, this is what I was gonna ask first, Mike. For my first question out of the gate is how does it feel to have zero sources? Like when you're out there trying to, you know, give your opinion and you have no idea what you're talking about, how do you do it, dude? How do you do it? Well, Brandon, I know you're being sarcastic, and I don't know if that's the tone you want to actually take. I thought oh, I, was coming, I thought I was coming on a serious uh, podcast. Or, you you know, did, yeah. Oh, hey, apparently the, he the, hasn't watched the 102 episodes. There ain't nothing serious. <laughs> yeah, you know, look at the end of the day. I mean, there are, as I've told you before, there are deities in the media that ha that people, um, you know choose for whatever reason uh to to buy everything that they have to sell and and so a lot of a lot of times you know fans believe that one or two or three people are the only people with uh any type of of information and you know I, the only thing i'd say is i spent 20 years in sports media covering the university of michigan if you were to ask most um michigan hockey people uh if you go talk to brian cook of mgo blog i mean he said this repeatedly literally no one no one has the sources that I do in Michigan hockey. And so if, if you understand that, I think it's a little bit crazy to, to suggest that I have also not developed sources for Michigan football or Michigan basketball or other things. And I'll, and I'll tell you something too, and I'm not trying to, cause I don't, I don't like to get into this very much, but I teach at the university of Michigan. Um, I've taught the last four semesters. Uh, I have a ton of guest experts from all walks of life come to my class and talk to my class. I also have, uh, over the last four semesters, about 40 to 50% of my students have been student athletes of every sport, and I have developed a lot of relationships. And so, you know, I, I guarantee you this, that when I post something on a message board or I put it on Twitter, I'm not shooting from a place of like, hey, I'm just guessing what's going on. Like, this is all stuff that I have been told by a lot of um, you know, a, a lot of those just sources. And and I, and I treat them as confidants and like you know, you're never going to hear me tell you like what, who the football players were in my class. Like, I'm not going to share any of that with you. Um, you know, I'm not going to tell you like who, who was in my class, who was talking to me, who, who my sources are. Um, that's just the way that it goes. That's how you get the information. Uh, but um, I heard a lot. I mean, the last couple of weeks, I've heard so much about how this went down. Uh, you know, I've heard from 
from players on the team in the last two days. And, and, you know, one of the things that I, that I shared just recently on a message board was, you know, when Jim Harbaugh got on that plane uh, and going to Minnesota, um, you know, one of the, one of the players that uh, I've become close to said kind of like, just like F him, we're going to, you know, we're going to rally together for Michigan. We're going to rally together for our teammates, for our, our, you know, the coaches that are here and for that block M essentially thing, because they all thought he was gone and they all thought that he kind of left them high and dry. And so, you know, I bring that up. I don't want to get into a whole like, you know, did Jim Harbaugh do this or did Jim Harbaugh do that? But I think at the end of the day, what you have to understand is there are a lot of really, really hurt feelings in in, in that locker room and in that Schemeckler Hall. And, you know, I also talked to a uh, another former Michigan coach earlier today, and I said, you know, what what is this offseason going to be like? And he's like, this is the most challenging offseason of Jim Harbaugh's career. And I said, you mean, you know, yeah, I mean, you mean it like Michigan? He's like, no, anywhere he's ever been, this is the most challenging offseason he's ever had. He's like, because he has to get a locker room of at least some guys to trust him again. And he's like, and if a head coach doesn't have the trust of his team, you know, he's kind of that that's that's gonna un, you know, unspool the whole thing. And so he's like, he's got to regain the trust. And he said he can do it. I'm not questioning that he can do it. He's like, but there's a lot of bruised egos and, and th- people are going to have to be, you know, sacrificed and people are going to have to step aside and say, Hey, you know, I'm going to put my pride over here and I'm going to focus on what I need to focus on. And so um, it'll be interesting. It, it, it'll be interesting. I'm rooting for, I'm rooting for Michigan. I'm rooting for the players and I'm rooting for Jim Harbaugh to be successful because he is the coach that ultimately is determining Michigan success. So, you know, I don't like the way that necessarily went down the last couple of days, but here we are. And we're just got to, I mean, I, he doesn't owe me anything. I'm a fan, right? Like I'm a fan. He doesn't owe me anything. I don't have season tickets. I don't donate a ton of money to the university of Michigan. So he doesn't owe me anything, but he certainly owes that locker room uh, some, some honesty, some transparency, and he's going to have to soothe over uh, some of those really, uh, you know, fractured relationships. Yeah. I, and see a couple people in the comments bringing it up and it's, you know, it, it's not something we need to spend a ton of time on because I'm, I agree with you. I mean, the, it's done now at, at this point, what's mm-hmm. done is done. However it played out, however bizarre it was, however long it dragged out, it was weird. It was strange, but he's, but he's back. And he gave an interview to Mitch album, which we talked a little bit about that earlier today, Mike, and how that kind of transpired and how that came about and why it was Mitch and yeah, whatever people who have been around long enough probably understand that but he Jim Harbaugh all but confirmed in that story that he went out there thinking he was getting the job and wanting the job and they didn't reciprocate I mean he he used some he massaged the language a little bit but it was basically I want them they didn't want me that's that's pretty much what it was I've I asked Chris this earlier I've talked to to (laughs) I was gonna say my Chris I'm so glad I didn't uh Chris Castellani, I asked him, that was one of the first things I asked him. Chris and I have talked about it on many other episodes before. Does it matter? Does it matter that it went down like that? Because Michigan's going to start 4-0 next year, and they're going to outscore their opponents like 200-0, to and they're probably going to be favored in 11 games out of the 12-game schedule. So winning cures a lot of ills. Does it matter at all that it went down like it did and that he does have some, some fences to mend and that there are some people who – did take it personal and our, I mean, dude, the, some of the comments out there were like every, every swear word, every name calling in the book. I mean, some of his most loyal followers and uh, Mike, I know, you know, plenty of them were calling him every name in the book because he was gone and he was out the door and now he's back. 
Does it really matter? When fall rolls around, does it matter? Um, no, it won't matter. Well, I should say this. It won't probably matter to the fans, right? Like at the end of the day, the fans are only going to care about the product that, that gets put on the football field. And if he's winning, if he's 4-0, as you said, if they go to Iowa and win that game in uh, Iowa City, uh, probably a night game in, in Hawkeye Stadium, um, you know, and he's 5-0 and 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 he does the things that he, um, you know, he's capable of doing and this team comes together, then, then fans are going to forgive him. I, I think if you look at, you know, quite a few message boards and, and Twitter fans have already forgiven him. Um, they're already to move a lot. Have, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and people that, you know, 24 hours earlier were calling him, you know, every name under the, every name that you can, that uh, you were, you're, you told your parents you never say out loud. Um, <laughs> you know, they were calling him and then 24 hours later, like he's my coach, like way to go coach and all this different stuff. And it's like, so fans forgive really quickly. You know, the bigger question is, is like, what does this do for the locker room? Like how quickly will they forgive them? Uh, will this lead to any type of disruption? Um, you know, again, they they could have they could have eighty five pissed off football players. They're still going to start the season four and zero. You know, but but if they have eighty five pissed off football players, maybe they don't win that game in Iowa. Maybe they lose again to uh, Penn. You know, they lose to Penn State. They lose to Michigan State. Like that's the type of thing that you're they're going to have to to fix. But no, I mean, fans are going to forgive. I think the one thing that that fans want, and I keep on seeing this over and over again, is they want a big buyout because they want this to, they want to know this is done, right? They want to know this is daily and this is over with. Like, be just, are you for Michigan? Are you like, especially when Jim Harbaugh has a lot of, you know, his his phrases and his sayings, like, oh, enth- enthusiasm unknown to mankind. And, you know, when he's going to repeat Bo Schemeckler with the team, the team, the team, like, you know, those things are going to fall, fall on deaf ears now. Like, people are just going to kind of laugh about them. Um, they're not going to buy that type of stuff in. But really, they just want to know that like he's here for Michigan for the next 5, 10, 15 years. And, and they want to know that he's not going to do this again. Because at the end of the day, I mean, you know, this was such an such an amazing season. I mean, I I sat there in the crowd with my brother, um, you know, watching Michigan beat Ohio State with the sun, with this with the snow falling down, um, watch the game the next week, the excitement leading up to the to the Orange Bowl and the the championship, the semifinal game against Georgia, like all that stuff was so cool. And then over the last month, it has really sucked to be a Michigan fan, right? Like it's just, it is it, like any way you slice it or dice it, this has sucked as a Michigan fan watching this go down. You know, you add, you add in like the players that you lost that, you know, you're expected to lose Aiden Hutchinson and, and some of these guys, you know, but then Dax Hill and David Ajabo and other and Chris Hinton goes and you're like, well, this really kind of stinks. And then this Jim Hartle thing is just hitting you over and over and over again in the gut or, or for, for us men, like it's hitting you in the balls over and over and over again. And, and it just, it just didn't feel very good. And instead of like being able to sit back and like relish what this season has been, instead of we've been infighting and people calling each other names and, 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 trashing Harbaugh and, and talking about how the momentum has been squandered and all this different stuff. And so like, I just want to get back as we turn the, the, the calendar into February, I just want to get to a place where like we can enjoy the, what, what took place in 2021 and be excited about what's to come in 2022. Yeah, I do. Uh, I, do. I want to ask a question because you, you brought it up and you're right. A lot of fans want reassurances that, that this isn't going to happen again. And you're right. Harbaugh doesn't owe them that, but I think he does probably owe the university of Michigan that, at this point, and that's probably going to be reflected in whatever extension he signs. But my, my question to you, Michael, is given that it didn't happen for him this time around, you know, he's, he's been with Michigan now for seven years. There were a whole host of jobs that opened up in the NFL, and it seems like he didn't get an offer from any of them. 
regardless of what he wants to do and how much he wants to scratch that Super Bowl itch, do you think the NFL is done with Jim Harbaugh? Even if Harbaugh might not be done with them, there there isn't a place, at least in the head coaching position, for Jim Harbaugh in the NFL. I mean, I, I, head coaching position, yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, look, you know, the, the Oakland Raiders or the Las Vegas Raiders, you know, supposedly the perfect fit, and they ultimately went a different direction. Uh, you know, Stephen M. Ross, as close as he is to, to Jim Harbaugh, he's really, really never made a major play uh, for for Jim Harbaugh, even this, uh, you know, this coaching cycle. Minnesota expressed an interest. Um, you know, ultimately, we don't know exactly what went down. We've had some reporters say, like, well, they they didn't, you know, they he came in there and he thought he was getting the job and they didn't really like the way that this or that went. But we're not really going to know. But I'll tell you this. I mean, NFL people talk. Right. And I, I imagine that there's going to be some talk about like, hey, Harbaugh's not a right fit or anything like that. You know, I don't know who gives them. I don't know who gives them that job. And I, and I think when you look at like who's getting a lot of these new positions, I mean, it's offensive coordinators, it's younger guys. Everybody's trying to find the next uh, McVay. Everybody's trying to find like, you know, the Bruce Arians of the world who are, you know, 70 years old are, are being are dinosaurs in the NFL. Um, and they're trying to find like the next hot hand. And, and Jim's getting, you know, he's, he's not, he's not 35. He's not 40 years old. He's not 45. He's not 50. I mean, like, so I think his time probably has passed. Uh, and, and so I don't know that unless he actively really goes after it, that we're going to see this again. And I would say this, if he actively went after it again in a year or two years, if I was word manual, I'd fire him on the spot. Because I would say, look, man, like you just told me two years ago, like I'm here for at Michigan for as long as you want me. And now you're doing this again. Like, no, we're done with this. I don't think it'll come to that. I don't I think I honestly truly believe that because of the circumstances, Chris, you just you just kind of laid out there. I think we're done. I really do. I think that I think that was the end. I think the only the, the, the moment that Jim Harbaugh steps away from Michigan is because he retires from Michigan. That's the only scenario I see unfolding here in the next decade. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think. I think whether he actually like fully heartfelt meant those words that he said, I don't think it matters. I don't, I don't know if an offer is ever going to come from the NFL if it didn't this year. And like he said, I, he can't do it again. He cannot do this again. He simply cannot. So I don't know what the new, what the new deal is going to look like or what that buyout is going to look like. Or if it's a, uh, I don't you know. I've always wondered about this. Like, you know, the buyout can be handled by anyone who wants to make, make it work. I mean, if that's the NFL team, if it's the college wanting to get rid of a guy, Hell, even if the coach wants to take care of it himself, I don't think that happens very often, but it could. So I'm curious to see if they have, you know, something in there that's like, okay, well, we don't have to pay you anything, but if an NFL team wants you, they got to pay this much, or it could be this much, or how the wording is, or what it might end up looking like. But I, I agree, Michael. I think it's done. I think that was it. I think he flew out there. He was ready to take that job. Whatever happened, happened, and he's back. And so now it's it's looking forward and it's trying to make you know, all that stuff that you guys talked about earlier, I, I, I was, I was just like, oh, I was just cringing the whole time. Cause it's like, they're really going to come out and run the ball like 700 times <laughs> through the first five or six games. And we won't even know if JJ's right arm works or whoever the, I assume it's going to be, oh. JJ, but we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, they're not going to have to throw it even 15 times against UConn and Hawaii and Colorado state. And probably not even, they beat Maryland by 40 at Maryland this year. Just because you don't have to do it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And that's, I think, and, and we, said all maybe, we said that so many times. Right. And I think we, you know, Brandon and I, and I don't know where you stand on this, Michael, but again, Michigan was winning, obviously the early part of the season in, in 2021. 
And Brandon and I found ourselves like still walking away from the games. And I'm sure you know this because you talk to him a lot, frustrated about the way it looked and, and walking away, you know, of the belief that this can't win on the biggest stage. Like you're going to have to open it up. And so for me, I've always looked at those first four games as like trying to stretch it, trying to see what you can do rather than just doing what you know is going to work. Right. I mean, is there something to that? Do you think that it's more advantageous to spend the time during those initial games really opening up the offense and seeing what it's capable of? Or do you like the idea of keeping something in the back pocket? And if you can beat the shit out of a team by running it 50 times, you just do that. Oh, I know Mike's answer on this one. Oh man. The, you just opened up my Pandora. My <laughs> was it? Did I, was it the golden? Was it the golden playbook? The hidden playbook that stays yeah, in the ball until the end of the year? We're just gonna keep it. We're just gonna keep it vanilla because we don't need to unveil the entire playbook until we need to. And then you get to like week ten, and you're like, when are they gonna unveil this playbook? Like then you're <laughs> then they're against Ohio State, and I'll tell you what, they played Ohio State. They didn't unveil. They, they weren't keeping like forty percent of the playbook all season long for that Ohio State game. They were running the exact same things that they ran against Washington to some yeah. degree in week two and week three. Um, so no, you know it's it's interesting. And, and by the way, I was just looking at the schedule. Can we just get Connecticut off the calendar? Like <laughs> can, Connecticut should not even be a Division One football team at this point. Like what is Michigan doing playing them next year? Fighting Jim Mora Juniors, dude. Jim Mora. That schedule is just off. <laughs> Colorado State, Connecticut, Hawaii. Like, how do you sell season tickets next? Yeah, that's year? real bad. Oh, awful. No, I, I don't. I think you. I think you run the playbook from week one. Whatever you want to have in week twelve, you run in week one, so that you get really, really good at it. That's how I've always felt about it. I, I don't think you hold back because you know I've had so many former players tell me there's a humongous difference between the old State Street versus Main Street, right? And what you practice, um, you know, behind the scenes, you just can't pull it out and, and play against, uh, you know, big boys when you absolutely need it. That's just not how it works. You got to develop confidence. You got to develop chemistry in the passing game. Um, you know, we saw it with, we saw it with Shea Patterson a couple of years ago and, 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 you know, Nico Collins, like they weren't completely on the same page. They kept on having, to, he kept on having to wait, uh, for for Nico had a kept you know waiting for Shea Patterson the ball to get there. Now if they threw the ball to Nico Collins four or five times a game beyond twenty yards, don't you think that by like week three or week four Shea Patterson's dropping them in there every time and be in getting in a good spot? I mean Joe Burrow a couple of years ago threw sixty touchdowns right, and Jamar Chase had like one of the most ridiculous seasons you've ever seen anybody have. Is that because they were practicing all the time, or because they would get into games and he was throwing him the ball? 15 times a game, you right. know, I mean, like that's how they develop that type of chemistry because there's a difference between going at your own cornerback in practice and going against a guy who's actually jamming you, who's actually getting in your face, who's actually running with you stride for stride the entire time. So no, I'm a big believer that you gotta, you gotta do everything from, from week one or from early on in the season to get ready for, for later in the season. And so it, it's, um, you know, I, I hope it's JJ. Um, I think if it's a Cade McNamara offense, I think you're going to see a lot of what we just saw um, this past year. I think if it's a J.J. McCarthy offense, maybe you let him open it up a little bit because uh, the kid has that type of talent and he has the you know the NFL dreams um, and all that. But I'll say this: I, I don't, I, I don't expect to see it happening until it happens. And it's funny you guys said like you know last year as you were watching the game, so. Are you a product or a process person? Have you ever heard that phrase before, like a product or a process person? The product person is like 
is only satisfied when they get to the end and they've accomplished something. And the process person is the person who appreciates the work that goes into it. So I'm a product person. Mm -hmm. And so when I watched Michigan football last year, I could, when the game was over with and they had won another game, I could be like excited and happy as a fan. But since I wasn't a process person, it would drive me insane to watch the games a lot of times because of the fact that it was run, 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 run. And they wouldn't take advantage of their opportunities in a passing game. Late in the year against Ohio State, some of the play calling that they used, that funny fake, you know, that that reverse to uh, to A.J. Henning, um, some of the things that they did, the the, the pass in the, against Iowa, the Donovan Edwards pass, like that was really clever, and I really enjoyed it. But during the season, I mean, were you truly, truly, like, enjoying watching Michigan run the ball 70% of the downs, or was it kind of driving you crazy? They're like, why aren't you throwing to this guy? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that, you know? I got to say, I just don't want to go through that as a fan again. Like, I, I want to be able to enjoy the process and enjoy the product. Yeah. I mean, good point. It's hard. I mean, dude, they, I, I, Mike, I'm with you 100%. And me and Chris had this back and forth so often where we'd come away from the game and be like, good God, dude, they just won by 24 points. And here we are bitching. And now they're 12 and two. And we're still like, where's the, where's the fun? Where's the, you know, it's like, <laughs> what kind of fans are we? What kind of analysts are we? What kind of whatever you, you know, it's, it's hard to do that, but I'm with you. And, and we would say this so often. I mean, it, it sucks. It sucks because Michigan would, they had, they would have just won the game. I think what they beat, they beat, uh, yeah, they beat Washington by what twenty eight points or something like that. They, they were beating teams by a lot. They beat Wisconsin by a lot at their place. But then you'd flip over to another game and you're watching an offense and you're like, that looks like a different sport. It mm -hmm. literally looks like a different sport. And you you can't complain when the W's are are stacking up. You can't. But I, I'm with you on that. And I wanted to return back to the practice thing and the 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 secret playbook and the getting ready for the games and and kind of tying all this together. I don't think anybody would consider us high-level athletes, right? Us three right here. But we have played sports before. And, Mike, you and I have coached before together and separately. You can't recreate practice. You can't, re you can't recreate game situations in practice. It doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter if you go ones versus ones. It doesn't matter if you put tons of incentives out there, if you put punishments out. It doesn't matter. You can't get there. So I I'm with both of you on your sentiments like, open it up, air it out, do everything you want to do. Sure, you're going to get better at stuff as the year goes on, so it's naturally going to evolve and change a little bit and look a little different. And maybe a play you saw, you know, and the, football's a copycat thing. Maybe a play you saw in week two from another school, you start implementing it and you use it in week five, whatever. <laughs> Chris is a legitimate basketball player back. Do you know that guy, Chris? Who's that guy? What's that? Hey, Oliver? Chris was a pretty legitimate basketball player back in the day. I was okay. I was okay. I mean, I, my game's a lot like Robert Ory. I just kind of camp out three-point line. I can't yeah. slash to the hole. I can't move like I used to. But, you know, the what? older you get, the, the game of basketball, it, uh, you know, it, it comes easier to you because it's more uh, cerebral. You know, you get it. I agree 100%, Chris. And, and I'll say this. Uh, Brandon Brown's wife is actually quite a, a fantastic oh, well. basketball player. Played in well, college. the better athlete of the two, for sure. There's no question. Yeah, without a doubt. Like, if you go follow her on Instagram, like, she, in the summer, she'll be posting <laughs> pictures of her, like, dropping some really cool, you know, basketball shots and the whole thing. She so, should it. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to remember what the, what, the, what the question was or what the point was. Well, the offense. Well, Just on, Brandon, I'm getting, I'm getting paged. I'm getting paged back to the pool by mom. I think she needs me for something. So okay. I'm going to hop off. 
It's bad. We're getting, it was we're getting ready to wrap up here anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we were able to catch up. I'll let you guys kind of finish it out, but it was it was good catching up with you, man. Thanks a lot, Chris. I appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your right, man. Take care. So you know it's funny, and I, I know that uh, someone's going to be like, "Well, eighth grade basketball isn't the same as college football." The whole thing. But I, used to, but I used to have a kid who, in in practice, like the you know how you have to shoot free throws, and if you don't make certain money free throws, you have to run suicides. And so I would let the kids pick who got to shoot the free throws, and they yeah. picked this one kid, and he would you had to, you had to um, you had to make like. I think it was either five or 10 free throws. And the kid would like go out there and shoot like 90% from the line in practice. And we'd get to games and he'd shoot 10% from the line. In, in yeah. Games. yeah. And it's because games are not, the, our practice is not the same as games. It's yeah. just not at, at, at any level, at every level, it's not the same. So um, when the bullet, you know, when the, when the bullets are real, it changes. So I don't know. It's uh, I don't know, Brandon. I, I tell you what. So those are my thoughts. You got a lot of people asking questions. Like, do you want to? Do you want to get to some of these questions? I don't know. I don't know. Do you, do you ignore your people, or do you just? No, like- we don't. Usually, we have a very, very open. Like, especially since the season ended, we just we just field questions all day. That's what we do. I knew I was having a couple guests on today, so it's been a little bit more structured. But yeah, there, there. I mean, a lot of it's there's more comments than questions. Um, yeah. But yeah, we and do. The guy asked why Alabama plays Mercer, and the answer yeah. to that is because that's. I mean, can I swear? Like, that's just a bunch of horse shit. Yeah, you could swear. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's like honestly, the NCAA should ban when they when they first started when Michigan played Appalachian State, and I think it was two years before that is when the first games took place between FBS and and FCS, mm-hmm. and people figured out like, hey, we can make a easy buck with a team that doesn't threaten <laughs> us at all. You know, that was the theory anyway. Yeah. Um, and. Teams started doing it, but you've seen a lot of teams. Like you don't see many Big Ten teams anymore. I don't know if anybody schedules an FCS opponent. Maybe I don't think they're allowed to. I think they outlawed that in the Big Ten. Well, I think what they said was that you can't count it towards like your big your your six wins for a um big for a bowl berth or something okay. like that. Maybe that's what you look at your look at your calendar. I think Minnesota might be the only one that still does it, but Alabama does it, and Georgia does it, and Auburn does it, and all these schools do it, and it's 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 utter junk. They need to get rid of it. Like they just need to get rid of it. I hate that about um, about college football, uh, and you know, especially the fact that it occurs in week eleven. Um, that just yeah, that's, it's weird. Yeah. It's weird where they put theirs too. Yeah, like Clemson will play like Wofford or the Citadel in like week twelve or thirteen. It's like what the hell? What is this, Mike? I want to use your I I I asked you that question obviously jokingly at the beginning because I I know you know. I mean, you know as many people as anybody in this industry, even though you're not technically in it anymore. You do a weekly spot, I think, on Sam Webb's radio show, right? You and I talk right. all the time. We work together for five or six years. Like, I know you know your stuff, and I feel like you are as qualified to answer this as anyone. I don't know how much digging you've done. Can you shed any light on the defensive coordinator situation and what Jim Harbaugh might do now that he's back? AJ Cooper from the Facebook page, you know, mentions Clink and Elston. Clink scale, I believe, is now uh, is it official that he's co-defensive coordinator based on what he did last year? I know he had some like some some things he had to do in order to get that that title. Uh, but what do you think, uh, man? What's going to happen? He, who's he co-defensive coordinator with? I, th- I guess it would I mean, be maybe Elston is the thought, but I yeah, I don't yeah, see that. I mean, either. I just think it's funny because I think his title is now co-defensive coordinator. Yeah, co- but he's the only one right now. Yeah, co like assumes there's somebody else, and right now there's nobody else. Yeah, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know the conversation that Jim Harbaugh had with uh, Steve Klinksale to, to discuss like 
you know, if there's a guy that moves on, you get promoted to become the defensive coordinator. I, I would say this, you and I, because you and I have talked about this, even if I don't like how the last week went down, the one thing that you and I both agree is, is that since Jim Harbaugh, since December 31st when they lost to Georgia, Jim Harbaugh has been doing his job at Michigan. Jim Harbaugh has been recruiting. Jim Harbaugh has hired a defensive line coach. A lot of people assumed, and you and I had a lot of back and forth about this, that the the moment he hired Elston was a signal that he was staying at Michigan. And you and I said, like, no, he's doing this job. He's doing his job because if he doesn't go to the NFL, he's going to want to come back to the most rosy situation possible. And that means having Mike Elston uh, as a defensive line coach. So, you know, to me, it's like he lost McDonald about, what, a week ago or so? Um, if, If it was as easy as Clink is getting promoted, I think we would know that Clink is the defensive coordinator right now. Um, if it was, uh, you know, now maybe like he wants to do interviews with his assistant coaches and he didn't have the time to do that because he was doing his own interviews with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, but I suspect that if you look at Jim Harbaugh's track record, he usually goes outside of Michigan to fulfill a lot of these spots. Sharon Moore's maybe one of the, the exceptions uh, who he promoted to co-offensive coordinator. Oh, you mean like once that. they're already there, right? Yeah, right. and I'm like, he went and got Pep Hamilton to be an offensive coordinator. He went and got Josh Gaddis to be an offensive coordinator. He went and got Don Brown. He went and got Mike McDonald. Like, he tends to be someone who goes outside of the program to fill that most important position. And so, you know, he's got a lot of connections. You know, people have brought up, like, former NFL. The NFL thing it really takes a special a special guy to to leave the NFL behind and come and and coach in college uh and and look what look what happened with uh with Mike McDonald I mean he did it for one year and then he wanted to go back to the NFL Larry Foot uh from John I mean yeah it's possible I guess it, de- it depends on does Larry Foot want to be a defensive coordinator in the NFL because if he does and he has spent his career so far not in college he has yeah. picked to spend his career in the NFL right he, I mean, you go look at his resume, and it doesn't have – I've been at five college programs bouncing around, and I just got my NFL shot. He has been in the NFL working that angle. So to me, that says he's an NFL guy. Yeah. Uh, I think you have to go out and find another defensive coordinator or, or a defensive coach from college uh, to, to fill this spot. I think the most I think the most popular opinion was that Larry Foote was going to go with – Byron Leftwich and then Byron Leftwich pulled himself out of the out of the Jaguars job and mm-hmm. it went to Doug Peterson. And so now now I think I, I I've been told that Jim Harbaugh gauged interest with Larry Foote, that there was actually a conversation that took place and that that's that's something that's been discussed. Yeah, I mean, I see people bringing up Vic Fangio because they're friends and they've worked together before, but that's another like NFL lifer guy. I mean, not lifer, but he's been there for a really long time. Some people suggested that. You know, Jim and John would just trade dudes and Wink Martindale is going to come to me. I don't he's another NFL kind of lifer guy. I don't really see that. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting now. Now that there's some finality and now that there's some closure to the Harbaugh situation, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how he heats it up and how he goes after this D.C. position, because it's really important, man, because Mike McDonald was damn good and they lost a ton of talent off of that unit. So they're going to have to find somebody who really who really, really can bring it. And I'm not I'm not saying Steve Klingscale can't or couldn't but he's never done it before and it's going to be it's going to be a tough job in 2022 i think compared to what it was in 21 i mean they dude they do have that schedule they do have that schedule to work out a lot of bugs and get a lot of things figured out uh in a hurry but yeah to your point i mean i think chris brought this up earlier you lost 25 sacks michigan has never i've studied michigan football for 20 years 
you know, pretty intensely. I know almost every major record and stat that is, and they've never lost 25 sacks in a season before ever, not even from multiple guys, not even beyond like two guys, like three guys or four guys go like the total amount that yeah, 25 sacks from like a a group that has declared. Uh, So that's what they're up against right now, you know, and how much they, that secondary uh, really benefited from, from the pass rush. In fact, the 2006 season, when Michigan went down to Ohio State and the number one versus number two, and they lost 42-39, one of the things that got exposed in that game was Michigan's secondary, and that was a great secondary. It had Leon Hall. Uh, I think Morgan Trent was the opposite starter. Leon Hall was a first-team All-American that year. Willis Berenger and Brandon Engelman were your safeties. But what happened in that game for the very first time was Michigan's pass rush with Woodley and Branch and, and Sean Cray will come to the edge. Didn't have a lot of success getting to Troy Smith. Um, and because of that, all of a sudden, Troy Smith had time and boom, whoa, hold on a second. How's our secondary giving up 300 yards passing? Because it was really never that great all year long. It just really benefited from an outstanding pass rush. And I think that's something that happened again this past year uh, was those quarterbacks were, hey, I don't I don't have a five stop drop in, in my I mean, you know, I, I don't know if this was Devin Gardner on, on Sam's show or someone else I followed, but I think they like someone calculated at one point. They went through and looked at like four or five games at how many times the quarterbacks took a three-step, five-step, and seven-step drop. And like a seven-step drop was like 1% of their snaps. And a five-step drop was like 10% of their snaps. And a three-step drop was like 85 to 90% of their snaps. And so that was was an offense. And those were were quarterbacks who were like, we got to get the ball out of here super fast. Um, And and if we don't, we're going to get hit. And so when you do that and a cornerback's no like, hey, I have to cover the first 15, 20 yards and boom, that's it. Yeah. You know, and so so there was a lot of that at play. Um, so that's a it's a big job, and we'll see what you know who they get as a defensive coordinator. They need to get a good recruiter, they need to get a guy who can immediately step in and kind of run what Mike McDonald was running, a guy who develops talent. You know, I'm excited about someone like Jalen Harrell, who I think can kind of maybe I mean, I don't think he's quite the physical freak that Ojaba was, but we started to see him come on towards the end of the year. He was the guy who was on those rundowns instead of Ojabo, was Jalen Harrell. So can he be a guy that emerges? But who's really who's really the the pass rusher that's going to get after it? If you asked me today and said who gets who is gets six sacks next year, I can't tell you one guy I think gets six sacks next year. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some there's some serviceable bodies, but Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo were not serviceable. They were elite, and so that, that's a that's a big change. There's no doubt about it. Last one, Mike, and we're going to shut her down too. I finished finished with you the same way I did with uh, with Chris. The basketball team, I, I I mean, one game they you know that three game winning streak they put together, they shot the lights out from three, like almost sixty percent. And then I think they what they shoot sixteen percent from three the other night, like three for nineteen. Maybe that was against Michigan State, and it wasn't much better against Northwestern when they almost lost or what. This team has been so inconsistent, and but some of the issues that seem to be there have been there pretty much all year. The poor shooting, Devonte Jones, man. I just don't know what what he's giving them at point guard and a lot and a lot of a lot of stretches. Brandon Johns, I mean, as a senior, has almost disappeared from being effective at all. Is this a tournament team, and what what's going on with that basketball team that does have talent but just isn't really putting it together on a night in night out basis? No, they won't make the tournament. I don't think there's any chance that they make the tournament because I agree with Chris where they're going to have to. You know, this Purdue game, they've got Purdue twice in the next three uh, three games, twice in the next five days, uh, Saturday the 5th and then Thursday the 10th. I mean, that is that, that is 
uh, they're going to take a beating, especially when they have Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday. Um, man, that is brutal. And I agree with them, too, that they're going to wear down. Uh, you know, Wisconsin away, you know, would be a big win from them if they could get it. Um, Ohio State at home would be a big win from them if they could get it. Illinois, Michigan State. I mean, they've got opportunities, but it, it's not like they can win one of these and that's going to put them back in the right position. They have to beat all the teams that they're supposed to beat, Penn State, uh, Rutgers, you know, really, that's the only ones that they're that they're favored in looking at. Schedule, right yeah. Now. Um, but then they've got to they've got to win like four more against teams that they're not supposed to beat to even have a chance. I, I was looking at this earlier. Their defense ranks 11th in the Big Ten, and I think in the uh, 140 range, um, and adjusted defense uh, according to Ken Palm. I mean, that's as bad as we've ever seen a Michigan basketball team be. Um, and it's and it's Juwan. The last couple of years has been a really strong defensive team. And even though G- John Beeline, you know, teams people knock him for for the defense for the rebounding the toughness or something like that the last couple years like his defenses were really good too uh and they're just not playing very well Devontae jones i think that's where it all starts for him he can't guard anybody on the off the dribble right i mean and there's so many times watching that michigan state game uh whether it was um uh what are their two point guards named hogard and the uh, other and walker yeah yeah and so i mean those guys were beating him off the dribble so much as soon as they beat him off the dribble then someone's helping out on defense and as soon as someone's helping out on defense those two point guards were so good about finding an open man. And that open man was hitting a lot of those three pointers or was hitting a two pointer. And that just completely got the defense, um, you know, discombobulated. I think when we came into the year and I'm not trying to pick on Devonte Jones here, but we came into the year, everybody talked about, you know, finally Michigan has a point guard after Mike Smith and Xavier Simpson, who is an elite offensive player and what he could bring to you offensively. And Oh, by the way, he's like six foot four and what he's going to be able to do at the rim and all these different things. And we did not spend much time talking about defense and leadership. And I think if you look back on it now, how, how do Michigan fans feel about Xavier Simpson? I mean, it was always, they always really loved him. But now you look back and you're like, dude, like what that guy brought from a leadership and a defensive standpoint. And then Mike Smith, oh, he wasn't a consistent scorer. He wasn't a great three-point shooter. But what he brought in terms of leadership and defense really set the tone for, for that team. And, and when you look at the way that Juwan coaches, you have to be, have a, a stopper um, on the ball Eli Brooks has been that to some degree, but he is not playing as well as as he's capable of this year. Uh, and you need really two of those guards. And, you know, you bring in people have been clamoring, more Kobe Bufkin, more Frankie Collins. You bring those guys in. I'm sorry. Like, I, I like their their offense potential, but they're as bad of defensive players as I have, I have seen at Michigan in a really long time. Um, you know, Frankie loses his man constantly. So does Kobe. They can't guard anybody, uh, you know, off the dribble. Um, they're just not very good in, in defensively at all. And so now you've got everybody scrambling. Like I said, Hunter can't protect the rim for, for that much because he's picking up fouls too often. Um, yeah, they're just, they're just in a world of hurt. And I, I really, I'm looking at their schedule here and I think they've got, uh, they've got 19. So they've got, uh, 11 more games and in out of those 11, 11 of them, nine of them are against top 30 opponents in according to Ken Palm. So, I mean, nine games against top 30 opponents. Yikes. I mean, yeah. that's they're they're it, they'd have to go five and four in those nine games and win the other two against the two teams lower than that and finish seven and four, in my opinion, to put themselves in a in a spot to to make it as an at-large team. I just don't see it happening. I'm writing that down. Seven and four. That's the mark they got to get to. And it's got to be 
like you said, they're going to have to get some good wins in there, some more quad one wins, some more wins that build the resume up because it's it's pretty thin right now. They don't – I mean, Indiana, like that's their only real good win yeah. like on the season, honestly. Like, they, you know, yeah, going to have to get a couple more. We'll see. Yeah, if you look at their wins – um, it's not strong. It's not a strong resume. San Diego State is in the top forty, and Indiana. They've got two wins according to Ken Palm against top fifty opponents. Two. Yeah, that's not a lot. That is no. not a lot. So, yeah, it's going to be tricky, man. And tomorrow, you know, tomorrow against Purdue, um, whew, that that Purdue team is a monster, dude. I mean, they, they they've got. Dude, that Zach Eady kid, where did they find that kid, dude? Where did they find Zach Eady? He's like seven five, just an absolute monster. I don't know. Ivy's a, a top five pick, probably. Like, yeah, they're they're a problem, man. They are a problem. Mike, always a pleasure, man. I mean, we talk all the time. This is something we've been discussing. We're like, dude, I need to get you on. We always have these good conversations. Like, we'll have a 15-minute phone conversation. I'm like, that that should have been on the podcast. Like, that's how it pretty much goes every time we talk. And I wanted to personally thank you in public here for all the viewy, all the viewers, all the people out there. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for the snowblower. Good God. Is that thing a lifesaver, dude? Lifesaver. I mean, oh. I think you gave it to me like, I, I don't know. It's probably been two or three winners now. Yeah. This is the first time I feel like I really was like, I would have died if I had to try to use a shovel. Oh. I would die. I'm, I'm glad to have I'm glad to have helped you. Um, yeah, man, I went and bought myself one of those high tech uh, the the battery powered ones that uh, start every time, and it's got I've got like a I don't know like a 28 inch blade, so it's nice. like massive. And I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my old one. And Brandon Brown was like, Hey, I like I like people just giving me things. So yeah, well, you, there was a there was a malfunction. I had to get some repair work done to it, but it was cheap, and now that thing is a machine, dude. I mean, it. Right. it, it it was it was a champ. It was a champ. Yeah, CJ, look, man. Hey, if I was out there shoveling today, I, I you know, I, either in shape or dead. I mean, one of the two would have happened. A little better he, shape or dead. CJ, he gets himself out of shape all the time. I I try to bust his ass about this constantly. Yeah, you know, it's been a thing. Yeah, because I'll show up and he's just got himself like a new paunch. So, I you know I got I got the shirt. I got the I got the double chin. You know it is what it is, man. We're all just trying to make it. Yep. We're all trying to make it. Mike, thanks so much, man. I know right. we'll talk again soon. I don't know if it'll be on the pod again, but always appreciate the insights. And uh, say hello to the fam. Give that little guy a noogie for me, man, over there. How's he doing, dude? Everything he's, cool with little John? He's, he's great. I just heard him wake up about 20 minutes ago, so I'm going to go play with him a little bit. And and you know what I'm going to do, Brandon? I, as soon as I'm going to do a little bit of work, and then I'm, I'm going to actually work out. I, I, I like to stay in shape. So I'm going to go eat a pizza. All right, man. Everybody out there, thanks for listening. Appreciate you. We'll see you again soon.